Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Star Wars Labs. This is episode 60. We're going to run down some of the news from this past week here, as well as start our first look at our recurring Star Wars Legends book club. We're going to be talking about a lot more Legends stuff on this channel. We want to talk about Legends in the future. So we're going to talk about today about Darth Vader and the Ghost Prison, which is a miniseries that was released in 2011. So it was, and it's a really good one. So if you guys haven't read it, you should check it out and follow along with our book club. We're going to start doing one Star Wars comic or book every couple weeks or so and talk about uh, some of the best of legends. So before we get started, please hit that like button down below. Subscribe to the channel for Star Wars content minimum three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you haven't checked out our Monday and Wednesday videos, check out Monday's video. It is Karam's uh, favorite tunes, sequel edition. It is the last of the trilogy. You're going to want to check that out as well as Wednesday's video where we took some of the hardest Star Wars quizzes on the internet, according to those people, and see how you do along with us with the trivia. All right, so now let's get into the biggest news story of the week, which is the cover reveal and excerpt from Star Wars Shadow of the Sith. This is the highly anticipated novel coming out from Adam Christopher that is releasing in June. And it's kind of, we're kind of getting a, a resurgence of Star Wars novels kind of the way canon used to be where we're getting these one-off stories pre-High Republic. Uh, and since High Republic is now over, phase one is over and phase two doesn't start till October. We're getting a bunch of novels here from April all the way to the end of August that are going to cover a lot of time periods and a lot of stories that we've been wanting to see for a while, especially in regards to the sequel trilogy, because we're getting the Han and Leia wedding also eventually. But this story, I think, is the one that we've all really, really wanted to see. And it's focusing on Luke and Lando as they are tracking down uh, some of the Sith Eternal and all of that. It, it's, oh man, it's going to be so crazy. And this excerpt got me so excited for this. Uh, I just, I love the tone. I love the mysteriousness, like the, the ghostly nature of this whole thing, the hauntedness of like, I, I want to see the, the like, horror sorcery side of the sith right like the sith eternal is such an interesting concept and, and something even though people have made fun of like okay what are all these people like living here just just to put on their little cloaks and like see palpatine right but like i just think the whole the visuals of the rise of skywalker is one of the best parts of the film and all the exegol stuff with the Sith Eternal and, and the way it all looks and the throne of the Sith. I, I find that all very fascinating and a lot of stuff that we can really flesh out for the Sith in the future. And I'm really excited for where this book goes. Obviously not everything's going to be answered because it's one book, but I, th I think we could get some really cool stuff. And it's really our first look at Luke Skywalker in a novel post return of the Jedi, which is, I think a really big deal, obviously, because every book <laughs> in the nineties starred Luke Skywalker post return of the jedi so yeah i i cannot be more excited for this book what, what are your thoughts on this well i mean we know it's set 10 years or something before um the force awakens and that's 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 a juicy period like we don't know really we know the knights of ren with and with the rise of kylo ren stuff that's been addressed and that stuff happens like five years before the force awakens we know that they're going to be a little bit more of a bigger part in charles souls um what is it, crimson rain storyline their individual issues so exciting to see that part be explored a bit more very interesting to see that it's a lot more original trilogy connected as opposed to just 
a purely sequel concept. So it seems that when you think of these three trilogies, we have the originals. That's what the story is. Hero's Journey, a lot of like Indian, Hindu, a lot of Asian, a lot of European influences mixed in with the Hero's Journey. And it's space fantasy. Then you get into the prequels, which if you didn't know about those original three movies are just totally different. It's so much more political intrigue, Shakespearean in a way, um, a lot more technology in the discussion around that. And it feels very different. But then when you go to the sequels, it is quite obviously riffing on the original trilogy. And because it's riffing on the original trilogy, I think that's bugged a lot of fans past 2015. Because when it first came out, they're like, yeah, this is Star Wars. This is the one we all remember. But if you weren't like a prequel fan, it was great. But if you're someone who was like, okay, what is the sequel trilogy going to introduce that's new? Everything has felt at least visually even some archetypes and all that have felt like reduxes of the original trilogy. And it feels intentional, not just from like a business standpoint, but from a story standpoint of like, these are the failures of the people who are trying to undo everything and go back to the past, but that past can never be brought back. What's happened under the empire and all that has affected the galaxy has affected the Jedi, every single thing. So I think that's one thing that 90 stars never had to deal with because everyone just loved that it was just a continuation of the original films. But now that we know that 30 years after Return of the Jedi, things are the same but different, that they feel very similar. But when you watch them, they play out much more differently than you expect. I, I This this is a period that I am very invested in. Obviously, we're going to have the Mandoverse really fill in a lot of stuff. I'm hoping a lot of season three does that too. Um uh, and there's, to a degree, I think that'll be like the first 10, 15 years. That's what maybe the Mandoverse and related titles will kind of set up. But other than that, there's really nothing from that to Rise of Kylo Ren. And that stuff is like, you could essentially say proto The Force Awakens. It's just literally putting Kylo in his position to where he is in The Force Awakens. So we've got 20 plus years that haven't been touched, like, where does Luke go from this guy who lets Grogu go and, you know, has had successes building his temple? What happens in those 20 years? Does he have, I'm assuming humans would be full apprentices, even maybe their own masters at some point. Do they go off on their own journey? What happened to those shit? Like, um, the only other book that we got in this period is also seven years before. I think it's Bloodline was seven years before or something. And that's extremely political. It, it, it's about Leia and the reveal of, her being Vader's daughter and we still don't know what happens before those like immediate events where the cold war between the first order and the new Republic, these skirmishes have been happening. What happens to like that draws out Luke and Lando years before anyone else really starts paying attention to what's like fracturing, what's coming undone. And this is where that book I think is going to really shine. Um, like you said, I'm absolutely down for the horror like element of the Sith that's going to come out, um, especially like how they're like described like specters that Luke can't cut through and all that. I really did enjoy that they've already differentiated Luke from uh, the Luke that we knew in those '90s Bantam era books and all that. He very clearly states he's like this is the first time where like my readings and like my, my self tutelage has both been an asset but also like a weakness. He's like I'm not sure how I did this but I've done my best to fill in the gap. And I, I really appreciate that 
they're making it clear that <laughs> there was like a peak even if anakin came at the twilight of the jedi order it was still full of resources full of trainers instructees even if they were clouded they were still qualified whereas luke has just been like scavenging for the force right scavenging for any clues directions he's probably looking for high republic stuff this and that so what he's learned has all been self-taught and it's never going to be like the prequel era and i know luke is powerful but power is not the same as craft and expertise and seeing luke in the original trilogy he's always felt like a guy who's He's good enough, but maybe he's always like been a little off, like especially his fighting style. And I'm really appreciating that Canon is showcasing that yes, he's this all powerful guy who lets the force flow through him. He understands what it really means to be a Jedi, but he's also just doing it in his own way. And I, I think that's something I felt that a lot of especially as legends went on and on, just Luke was just OP about everything. Here it feels like he's that hero that we all got attached to, looking beyond for a future and once he finally got there he he succeeded because he kept on going at it but he wasn't elite per se so that that element i think really came out to me that like hey even 20 plus years into training himself training other students he's always willing to say like i have plenty of spaces i need to learn from plenty of areas that i need to grow and connect to that really made me happy. I'm very interested to see that how he gets to Exegol is through the Titan uh, seeing stone, I guess, what Grogu was meditating on. I'm curious now if Grogu also had some sort of transportation-like connection. and Maybe that's how he met Luke, I guess, for the first time. Maybe that he was transported wherever Luke was. I think that'd be pretty interesting to see. Um, touched upon in a future season if we have another Luke cameo of sorts and Grogu reconnects with Luke. But the biggest thing has to be Anakin at the end. Just what does that mean? That Anakin is on Exegol again, right? As a four specter with a lightsaber, which I don't think we've really seen before. Um, we've known that he came to Exegol as Darth Vader at one point. Um, and that, but that was still original trilogy era. So what is, what does it mean now that he's, connecting with him, presumably his son for the first time since the end of the return of the Jedi. What does that mean for the story? How does Lando fit into any of this? Cause Lando and Luke is a pairing that is only lightly teased throughout those original films. But now that's a story that we're finally getting. And I think that's going to be the most unique dynamic from the original trilogy that we've never explored till now. And it'll be really exciting when this book comes out. June twenty eighth is when it comes out. We're uh, we're slowly approaching that date. It's uh, it's also listed as four hundred and ninety six pages, which is pretty exciting. I think that would make it the second longest canon book after Thrawn Ascendancy Lesser Evil. So this is going to be a jam packed book. Hopefully, it can live up to all of its plot threads and story uh, hype that it <laughs> it's been getting really since it's been announced. Because this is really the probably the most hotly anticipated Star Wars book in, the, in a long time. I'd probably wager since like Light of the Jedi kicking off oh, High yeah. Republic. So. And, and that cover art looks gorgeous too. It's like 90s plus like a little bit of modern filter over it. Yeah. And it just, it, it fills the nostalgia just right, but makes me excited for what's new. It looks a lot like a Dark Disciples cover. I don't know if it's yeah. the same cover artist. Maybe it is. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on to uh, our other quick topics and then we'll get into our review of Darth Vader in the Ghost Prison. There's 
not much other than shadows of the set that is the biggest thing obviously we're getting excited for celebration and all those little announcements coming in like there's an anthony daniels appearance there's gonna be an ashley Eckstein. there's gonna be a lot of different people coming it's a bit later than usual for finding out what's coming to celebration but it is also the first celebration in three years so i'm giving it a little bit of leniency there um terms of news there's not much john cordy the director of the ewok films died few days back at age 85 so if you've ever watched them or haven't watched them they're on disney plus lucasfilm finally has an official twitter account apparently it just never did and now it has a blue check mark a slightly bigger piece of news uh patty jenkins for rogue squadron supposedly they're still going aiming for december 2023 but that's they gotta start like now but apparently uh there was a rumor saying that um michael stackpole who wrote the original rogue squadron the X-Wing books was telling, uh, was apparently in contact from the start with uh, Patty Jenkins and was like excited to be working alongside with her. But then he clarified that there hadn't been talks about like the script or anything. He's not directly attached to the project in any way. He may or may not have like discussed things with her. That part isn't clear, but it doesn't seem more than just like an informal like, oh, how is this? How is that for you? Okay, great. See you later. And like when the movie comes out sort of thing. Um, there was an EW article on why Vader's returning. Not much to say other than Vader's returning because Vader and Obi-Wan are like the OG connection, especially since this is playing a lot more off the prequels too. There's a new mystery Star Wars series. It's got a codename called Grammar Rodeo. It's been rumored for the last few months, I guess. It's apparently starting pre-production in Culver City. The rumor is it might be like a High Republic Stranger Things like show, like with kids and a little mystery. Maybe it has something to do with Yoda and his Jedi Padawans. And then there's been other trailers for Star Wars, Lego, um, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga. This one is like a villain. There's a new one that's like a villains oriented one. Not much gameplay, just a lot of like funny Lego Star Wars jokes. Game is coming very soon. We're excited to play that. And other than that, that's that's about it it's a lot of small tidbits here and there for news yeah i uh i think that the vader thing i'm more excited to see vader than maul which was i think another thing that came out this week when people were talking about maul was supposed to be the villain originally right we've just seen so much of maul and even though he is obi-wan's like counterpart right the opposite side of the coin it we know where he dies and how he dies. I think it's a lot more meaningful if they haven't seen each other in 20 years when they run it's, into each yeah. other again. And it's more dies. meaningful if this was like somehow also a Crimson Dawn story of how he rose from the ashes after and to cr- form Crimson Dawn. But that doesn't really work with an Obi-Wan Kenobi story because then right. it has to become about them. Pablo Hidalgo said officially on his Twitter, that's all BS. And there's a rumor that one of the characters in the show is a Zabrak, so maybe someone who was reporting got that confused. Yeah, I would prefer to see the fall of Crimson Dawn because I think right now at this point, the Obi-Wan connection like that, that's over. And I think it would be very hollow if he's the main villain of a series that, like a lot of people are jumping on it like, oh, I want to see Maul, you know, Vader, blow. He's dead. We see his death at Obi-Wan's hand. And at this point, this show is taking place around the exact same time as Solo, a Star Wars story. So how does that connect with that? Maul would just not work here at all. I don't even know why they thought of it, to be honest. Uh, So 
<laughs> yeah, with, other, with the other stuff, I think the Michael Stackpole thing, uh, it makes sense because that was originally what they kind of said was their relationship. Like, oh, yeah, we meet with you, talk about story details, but not you're not writing the script or you're not a consultant. So, yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. I think uh, I would be shocked if <laughs> this series stars like Cornhorn or any of the characters from the Rogue Squadron series. Yeah. I think it would be great. It would be a great way for them to kind of appeal to longtime Legends fans, which they haven't done as much in the last few years as they were doing a few years ago. But I would be shocked if they don't create their own characters. So, uh, yeah. And the rumor is that. still that it's after Rise of Skywalker, right? Like yeah. a whole new era. So, any of these OG characters that we do love, they would be old men like Wedge and Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, I don't know. I would love to see the story be about Wedge coming back to like help Rogue Squadron finish off um, whatever the remaining First Order fleet is or whatever they're doing in this film. But yeah, I, I think I, I would be shocked if they go back to the original character. But Anyway, those are my thoughts on most of that. That's the news for this week. Now we're going to move on and do a review of Darth Vader and the Ghost Prison. So like I said at the beginning of this episode, we want to do one of these a month, once a month. And we'll tell you guys in the future which one we're going to be reading because we would like to treat this as a book club. So uh, we're going to read a variety of Star Wars Legends books and comics to kind of bring at legends presence to our channel more so and we'll we'll do a review for them once a month maybe talk non-spoilers for some of it and then spoilers for some of it kind of like we do our normal book reviews but just just to have a bit more of our thoughts on legends out there because we really don't have much of our thoughts on legends on our channel outside of like the how to adapt series or stuff like that so uh here we go darth vader in the ghost prison so this is written by hayden blackman and is drawn by Augustine Alessio. Uh, the art is fantastic in this. I think that to me is the best part of the whole thing. It has a very interesting story and the ghost prison itself is a really cool concept that I, I think would be really interesting in a modern Star Wars context. Um, I think especially as we start to explore in the Bad Batch, a lot of the formation of the empire and how the empire converts assets from the Republic over to the empire and how it really transforms everything that was there and the politics of like, okay, we were the Republic. Now that we're the empire. We're trying to find that identity for those people who are living on certain planets or in certain factions. I think all of that is a really cool concepts that they could still bring in. Like I could see this being an episode or two episodes, of the bad batch and changed a little bit up to where the bad batch get trapped on or get they're, they're fleeing the empire and they, they go, Oh, we know this old prison that used to be out there. That's holding, uh, separatist prisoners and they end up stuck there and fighting their way through. I think that would be really cool. So there's a lot of cool concepts here that are still relevant and still not contradicted by Canon completely. Uh, there's also some great flashbacks with Anakin Skywalker talking about his relationship with the council and like, I, I think this is a really, really solid comic. To me, the art does a little overshadow the story. Like, the story's good, but the art is, like, absolutely incredible. I love the dark shadowing in this. There's so much shadowing. And really, the characters are also fascinating. The main character is a quite interesting character, but it is a one-off character. But, uh, yeah, I, I really like this book. Yeah, and no, I, I have to agree with all those points. Um, the art is 
what drew me in in the first place. I was just looking at just old comics and I was like, yeah, this looks kind of nice. Just, I think the one thing about old Dark Horse comics is that either you had amazingly beautiful art like this, Star Wars Legacy and the like, or you had really hard uh, uh, to like push through art of like 90s Dark Horse with like Tales of the Jedi and just, it's not the prettiest thing. I love a lot of that stuff and I love what they were attempting, but sometimes the art just, it 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 was hard to like look at and read a story through. Um, so they were a little bit more extreme in that sense. Marvel is, I think on average, much better with its art. I still don't love in the 2015 line when we did the hyper-realistic photo stills of the movies placed on the characters' heads and then mixing that in with original characters. It just, it never really worked for me. I just don't think that's how comic art should look like in my mind. That obviously someone believes that, but that's just, it just never worked for me personally. Um, but this is, this is an art style that feels like it's grounded in the realism of the aesthetics of both the prequels and the originals trilogy and how they're merging together. But it's truly just a comic. Like you said, the shadows are very strong. The lighting of the sky, it's kind of hard to replicate something like that. And with 3D CGI, what all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think the core story of like the Gentis coup um, of like the headmaster of this one academy that's overseeing all of these academies that are merging together. It makes a lot of sense even now with canon of like, you can't just rely on these clone troopers necessarily. You still need so many humans to just start flooding the market or flooding all these sectors. Uh, and it makes sense to just like, they even directly address it. Like usually we take years, but you guys are only taking like months and it's because the only thing you have to really think about is are you loyal to the empire or not? That's all that matters. Um, and yeah, I, I think other than the art, what really impressed me was the main character, Loria Tom. Um, obviously, visually a different character than we really seen Star as a human with half of his face burned off and one of his pupils just turned white from an, a, a little Clone Wars incident and he's missing a whole arm. So he's not exactly the most able-bodied person as a protagonist that we've seen in Star Wars, but he goes through a journey that I really do enjoy. Um, like you said, the idea of the ghost prison and all that, I want to see something like that in uh, in the Bad Batch or any sort of canon sort of story. But what really drew me in was because of Lorita. He just, he's just so dedicated. And that dedication to what he really wants, like, you know, respect, fear, loyalty, all these qualities that, and he doesn't think all his classmates really get, even though he tries his best to share that with them. You know, he's always been underestimated, never been seen as like more than just a valedictorian, maybe a valedictorian because of his looks more than his skills. And he really does get to showcase them. And he showcases them by immediately connecting himself after this whole plot just that he's excluded from, of course. But because he's disconnected from him, he's, it becomes like the only person capable of doing anything about it, who has at least any sort of insight on what's going on um, with his old headmaster that he respected, with his friends, this and that. And he walks right into Vader and submits his loyalty wholly, which I think was not like something we haven't seen before, but I think the way they've handled Vader in that mo moment move forward is probably 
one of my favorite things about the series because I think a lot of even Marvel Star Wars series is that when Mar- um, Vader starts showing up, he is the main character. But a story like this where he's still very young as, into his life as a Vader where he's just a brutal killing machine, I thought they really handled that well, especially with how Lorita uh, like interacts with him. And he doesn't become anything more than a supporting character until the very end of the series, basically the last few pages, which I really appreciated. I guess there's some moments with the Jedi Council stuff that we see where we get to see his holograms of Anakin um, and the Jedi Council. But it's just nice and refreshing to see Vader be that mask, be emotionless, be that dark one that everyone looks at and is scared of and how they interact with that is a reflection of them more so vader himself like him actually actively doing anything so i really enjoy that part um i do think to a degree that this should have been more than a mini series i think a lot of the story elements are so rich that they can go further unfortunately lorita it has to be a tragic end for him at the end of it because it is a mini series but if this was like a 10 issue series I would have loved this. This is the same thing that I felt with Trail of Shadows. There's some depth. There's some richness. There's something absolutely new and unique about this story, especially when it came out. I'm sure it was even more satisfying for readers. But it just has to end so quickly. And the essential plot beats happen. And you're like, okay, that's great. And then, then it just becomes carried by the art, like you said. But I'm not. I'm not really complaining. I, I I really did enjoy this series. Yeah, I agree. I think most of the time when we have miniseries, they're very rarely Star Wars miniseries. That when you're done with it, you're like, that was perfect length. It doesn't need any more. It wasn't rushed. I think, especially because this one has so many different plot points going on, and that's a kind of a problem too. With sometimes with Legends books, is they try to tie into so many different things and and try to loosely be connected to the Legends universe, but also try to do their own thing that they always are bogged down by something or they're creating a little plot point here and there. I think the, also the politics of, of that, um, the guy who's running the Academy forgot his name, but him defecting and, and using his students as kind of a, a means to, try to start a revolution there in the empire. I think it's nice to see early rebellion groups kind of just early. It, it mirrors a little bit more of the canon version of the rebellion, where it's people rebelling all across before there's actually any real alliance Yeah. until very late in the game. So I like all that. And again, that could, this, this story has, and, and it was written post the first five seasons of clone Wars, So it, it does kind of parallel a lot of the, some of the more canon stuff we've seen rather than early legends stuff. But I think it still has a lot of applications for canon still today. And I think it's definitely worth your time reading. I also really like the main character because we've seen in Star Wars comics recently, they've never really given us in film or anything, an actual companion for Vader, really. He kind of just does his own thing. He either has like Tarkin, who he kind of sees as an equal, but is technically above him. In the comics recently, he's had Afra or he's had Ochi, but he doesn't, you know, they're all obviously supportive to him. Yeah, but but he has a lot of these, a lot of these characters are either rivals or they're companions. And like, 
this one's kind of both and i like that this this character is it's both until he's not needed anymore i think that's a really cool idea for vader so yeah again great great comic series we'll finish off these book club uh, episodes with a rating so i guess a score out of five like we usually do for our other book reviews i want to give it a four but i think i'm gonna give it a three and a half because i, I like this book a lot the art's a fantastic it, it's the most memorable part for me is the art rather than the story, but the, it does have good characters and some good concepts that I would love to see translated into Canada in the future. Yeah, no, I think if there's a Legends or later Legends period book or comic to pick up, this would be fantastic as a, just like an entryway into older media. Um, and the lines more obviously, like we said, Clone Wars and all these canon sensibilities that were that are canon, but were also legends back then, that little overlap. It's it's so close to being really good, just like Trailer Shadows for me, like being amazing. There's a lot of things that happen, a lot of things I feel like they're referencing old Clone Wars comics too, because they're doing so much and have to hit every single plot beat. A lot of the stuff that I wish could have been developed isn't um, and needed 10 issues. That's, in my mind, that would have been a perfect length for this, which gives me a 3.5 out of 5 star rating. All right, great. So that wraps up our latest episode, episode 60 of Star Wars Lads, as well as our first review for the Star Wars Lads Legends Book Club. So next month we'll do Splinter of the Mind's Eye is what we're going to be talking about. It's the first ever Star Wars Legends book that takes place after A New Hope. We'll be talking about that next month. Stay tuned for our review of that. And thank you all so much for watching. If you haven't yet, please hit the like button down below. Subscribe to the channel for Star Wars content minimum three days a week. If you haven't checked out our other two videos, please check them out. And then comment below. Let us know what you thought of Darth Vader in the Ghost Prison and or any of the stories we talked about today. Shadow of the Sith, what are your impressions of that excerpt and that cover? Let us know if you're excited for that down below. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.